Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. John chapter 1. And I do want to preach to you a Christmas message. It might not be your typical traditional Christmas message, but it has to do with the birth of Jesus. Um, so, uh, you know, we have that component. But if you go back to Mark, or I'm sorry, if you go back to Matthew and Luke, which have the accounts of Jesus' birth, um, I know we know the stories and, and we may even know a little bit of the details surrounding it, but there's a lot in the story of the birth of Jesus that really isn't worth celebrating, that isn't really worth rejoicing about. I know that there were angels and I know that there were shepherds and I know that there were wise men and I know that there were all these uh, components that were taking place that were celebrating and rejoicing the coming of the Messiah. But, but there were also some challenges. There were also some adversity and, and some things in the Lord of Lords. Things took place that you wouldn't think uh, would, would be a part of the, the coming, the restoration of God's people. This is what Israel was waiting for, believing for, knew there's a Messiah coming. But then there's some details in here. There's some details in here. And if, if you will liken the Christmas story to your life, I think you'll find a lot of uh, uh, qualities that measure up, that align, and that's what I want to look at today. But look at John chapter 1. It kind of gives us a description here. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. So before Jesus showed up in the flesh on Christmas Day or on uh, 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 the, the, the day that we celebrate as Jesus' birth, before he was born into this world, he was already spoken into existence. He was the word of God always, from the beginning of time. Jesus was Jesus in the flesh, and he began to exist in the flesh in human form like you and I, but he was already in existence long before he put on a flesh suit. So Jesus wasn't, uh, you know, just figuring out who he was. And Jesus wasn't just something that came into uh, context or it came into existence in, 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 in Matthew chapter 1 or in Luke chapter 2 or when we celebrate Jesus' birth. Jesus is the word of God and has always been and always will be. Nothing will ever. He says the word will last forever. He is the son of God, and he's always existed. In the beginning was the word. When's the beginning? The beginning. Now that we know that there was no beginning to God, right? There was never a day where God started. You can't go back to day one, God. He's always existed. The word was, uh, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And he was in the beginning uh, with God. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. 
We're talking about Jesus, but we're talking about Jesus in word form. We're talking about Jesus in his existence prior to his flesh. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. But now look at this in verse five. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. The darkness did not comprehend it. The darkness did not receive the light. That word comprehend in the Greek, I won't give you the Greek word. I won't bother you with all that. But in the Greek, it actually has three uh, definitions. It actually does three things. The word comprehend there actually does three things. Number one, it means this. You can't control it. When it says the darkness did not comprehend it, it, in essence is saying the darkness cannot control it. The darkness cannot control the light. When Jesus showed up, when Jesus came into fleshly form, he was not received and welcomed by all. We know this. We know eventually Jesus was killed, was murdered, was crucified for being Jesus. He didn't commit any crazy sinful act. He didn't commit treason. He didn't commit blasphemy and all these other things that they tried to uh, pin on him. He just was simply Jesus. And because they didn't understand him, because they could not control him, they decided to get rid of him. So number one, that word comprehend means you can't control it. Number two, it means you can't understand it. We know comprehend, like if you say comprehension, that literally means understanding. Understanding is not hearing, it's understanding what you're hearing. Just because you hear it and just because you see it doesn't mean you comprehend it, doesn't mean that you understand it, grasp it, okay? So number one, the darkness could not control it. Number two, the darkness could not understand it. And number three, it means cannot eliminate it. Even though they killed Jesus, we know that they did not eliminate Jesus, right? We know that death was not the end, it was a part. See, when you understand that, that nothing about God's plan can be conquered, can be eliminated, can be done away with, when you understand that, then you recognize that even if it dies, it'll live again. Even if man tries to get rid of it, it will be resurrected and come back to life, amen? So God's plan cannot be eliminated. And if you're at a point in your life where you're experiencing death, you're experiencing separation, you're experiencing something that has been done away with, if it was a part of God's plan, it will come back. The death was only part of the plan. The death of Lazarus was not the end of Lazarus, it was just a part of the plan. Jesus actually made this statement uh, before Lazarus died. He said, this sickness is not unto death. What that literally means is this sickness will not end in death. You look up the actual translation, that's what he's saying. It means even though he may die, he'll live again. Death doesn't have to be the end, amen? Amen. That's what we can celebrate about the plan of God. That's what we can celebrate about Jesus's life is death does not mean it's over. 
in essence, we might just be getting started. And so that word comprehend gives us three things. Number one, you cannot control it. Number two, you cannot understand it. And number three, you cannot eliminate it. Jesus' birth and the coming of the Messiah and the birth of the King came with these three ramifications. You couldn't control it, you couldn't understand it, and you cannot eliminate it. Now, for people like myself, anybody familiar with Enneagrams? Anybody familiar with that? Anybody gone as far as taking an Enneagram test and you know what you are? See some hands? Good. Well, I am a, and those of you that have done it probably already know, I'm a type one. So for those of you that don't know, type ones are dangerous. I remember the day I took the test, uh, somebody had, it might have been my wife, forwarded it to me. She was probably trying to help me figure out who I am. She's like, I've been telling you this all along. I need you to see it for yourself. And so I took it, and it was a 97% type one. That's high. Most people are like 70 or 80% something, and then they have what they call wings, I think, that there's a second. I was 97%. So it's like, forget about the wing. I am (laughs) type one with 3% something else. I mean, it's, it's worthless. But type ones are perfectionists. Type ones are planners. Type ones uh, have a hard time being spontaneous, adventurous, stepping out. Uh, they want everything organized. They're very meticulous. Uh, and in essence, the, I remember I read it the weekend after I had signed up. Actually, I didn't sign up. I was asked, voluntold, to coach my son's all-star team. And I remember reading it that weekend, and reading all the details, it, it, it's, it's, it's horrible stuff. I felt like I was reading an obituary. I was like, oh my God, are you serious? It was reading my mail. And the first thing I thought of was, I have no business coaching kids. This is, type ones should not coach. I started thinking type ones should not even be parents. We can't handle messes. We can't handle... Uh, you know, spontaneity, we can't, I mean, just all, I was like, my gosh, this is like a death statement here. I mean, what in the world? And so a story like the Christmas story, if you really get into the details, if you really look at the items that we're going to look at today, uh, they really mess with our idea of what perfection is. Should look like. We know that Jesus was perfect, don't we? We know that Jesus was without blame, without sin, without guilt, without shame, uh, that, that he was the perfect man, the spotless lamb of Christ. He went to the cross sinless and took on all of our sin because he was sinless. He had never sinned. He was the absolute epitome of perfection. But I'm gonna tell you today, the, the elements surrounding Jesus we're not perfect. And so many times what happens is what God is trying to bring to us, even though what he wants to bring to you is perfect. And the Bible actually, Romans chapter 12, verse two tells us that we need to know the good and the 
perfect will of God. God's will for your life is perfect. God's will for your life is perfection. God's will for your life is the best thing for you. God's will for your life is where you will be the most successful. God's will for your life is where you will be the most influential. God's will for your life is where you'll be the most impactful. God's will for your life is where you will be uh, the, the, the most uh, uh, the greatest asset for the kingdom of God. But God's will for your life will also be where you are the most uncomfortable. God's will for your life is where everything you want gets shut down. And just like I just read to you, you can't control it, you won't understand it, and you can't eliminate it. The light shined in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And that's the way Jesus, that's speaking of Jesus. That's speaking of Jesus when he came into this world. They could not control it. They did not understand him. Jesus is the most misunderstood person that's ever walked the face of this planet. Most misunderstood, even by church, even by Christians, even by believers. But they also couldn't eliminate it. And so I want to give you three hindrances to perfection. Three hindrances to perfection. I believe, you know, I, I was saying earlier that at this time uh, of the year, although it is a joyous occasion, although it is a time of celebration, a time of rejoicing, um, for a lot of people, it's a time of great stress. For a lot of people, it's a time of great anxiety, the unknown. Maybe you're anxious because you've got presents in a closet somewhere that you haven't even thought of what they're going to be wrapped in yet. And we're three days away. Maybe you're anxious because you've got family coming over and you haven't even begun to clean the house. Or maybe you're anxious because it's the end of the year and you realize out of all the resolutions I had, I haven't marked off one. Uh, maybe you're realizing that you went into 2019 with great hopes, but it didn't quite turn out according to your plan, according to your uh, idea. Uh, maybe you are going into 2020 with no vision, going into 2020 with no goals, going into 2020 with no idea of what God wants to do or how to even make it happen. There's all kinds of reasons for stress, for anxiety, and at this time of year around Christmas and the end of a year are a heightened time of stress and anxiety for a lot of people. So I want to kind of unravel what might be causing some of that. And these aren't exhaustive. These aren't the only three things that will hinder your perfection. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you right now that your idea of perfection is really your greatest hindrance. Our idea of perfection, because the Bible says it's the perfect will of God. But when it says it's the perfect will of God, that doesn't mean it's going to be perfect to you. But I know in my life, anytime I've experienced the will of God coming to pass or the will of God showing up in my life, you know what they say, 2020, they say hindsight is 2020. We're going into 2020, but you might not know the power of 2020 until you get to 2021. 
Come on now. It, it may not be until you get halfway through next year that you realize what 2019 really was all about. What the trouble, the issues. I mean, I can look across this room and I know several of you personally or personally enough to know some of the trials and some of the things you've battled through, been through, struggling through, and even going through right now. But you may not know until you get ahead and look back and say, that's why. That's why. That's what we're always looking for is that's why. And so as we're planning and as we're looking ahead, yeah, we want perfection. And a lot of times we preach the favor of the Lord and we preach uh, prosperity and we preach blessing like it comes without any kind of challenge or adversity. But I tell you right now, I, I've, I haven't experienced that in my life. And if you have experienced a blessed life with no adversity and no challenge and nobody talking about you and no attacks on your body, no attack on your finances, no attack on your homes, no attack on your kids, no attack on your marriage, then good for you. Maybe you should be up here holding this mic rather than me. I'll be the first one to take a seat. But I have found that even though the perfect son of God can come to this earth to redeem and save mankind, this Bible tells me he did not come with perfect elements. First one I wanna look at is in Matthew chapter one. We're gonna look at three hindrances to perfection. Matthew chapter one, you can't control it, you can't understand it, you can't eliminate it. Matthew chapter one, and I wanna start with verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. And that sounds like an amazing statement. All right, everybody. All right, children, gather around. I'm gonna tell you the story of the birth of Jesus. Come on, isn't that what we do with our kids? I mean, we have books, picture books, that talk about the birth of Jesus, the exciting birth of the Messiah. Get the fireplace warmed up, get the s'mores going, build the gingerbread house, gather the kids around. I'm gonna tell you the amazing story of the birth of Jesus. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Isn't this amazing, kids? Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Kids, this is such a great story. But while he thought about these things, because you know, Joseph is thinking some things. This is the story of the birth of Jesus. I remember Tuesday night, I was at my son's Christmas play at his school. And they had a little scene where there was a little manger and one of the kids dressed as Joseph came forward, had the little head thing in the robe. And then there's Mary on the other side. And she's 
all smiley. There's an angel standing over the manger. You got Joseph and Mary and this angel dressed like an angel with a little halo, you know, because they have those. And, you know, the angels are not heaven's worship team. You know, angels are the kingdom's military force. They are the baddest military in existence. Okay. Just, I could destroy myths about Christmas. <laughs> we could spend all day. Spend all day. And so there's, there's the angel singing. And here's Joseph. <laughs> Joseph, the kid that they played, Joseph, and he's one of Camden's little friends. He looked angry. I mean, he was just sitting there. Like, he, 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 I don't know what happened. I don't know if him and Mary had a little tiff in the hallway before they came out on stage. <laughs> or, you know, something was going on with his robe, and he's like, you know, it's pinching, or I, I don't know what was going on. He was mad. And um, uh, friends of ours that was sitting in, in, in front of us, Camden's best friend's parents, we were all sitting together, and uh, the dad turned around, and he said, man, Joseph looks angry. I said, well, you would be too if the girl that you're supposed to marry comes home and says, I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah, the Holy Spirit, right. Yeah, heard that one before. This is the birth of Jesus. And not only was Joseph thinking these things, it's not a big town. Y'all know how word spreads around here. Some of y'all are really good at spreading it. It don't take much for word to get out. Did you hear about Mary? And you know that reflects back on Joseph. And Joseph says, I didn't do it. She says it was the Holy Spirit. This is the story of the birth of the Messiah, the King of Kings. And now we've got trash talk going on in the town. We got Joseph that he's like, look, this ain't happening. We ain't moving forward. I'm gonna do it peaceably, quietly, amicably, I'm not going to put you away in front of everybody and, and make a big scene. But this, anything ever gone in your life, not how you planned it, not how you pictured it. I mean, there's perfection in her womb, but the environment around her is far from perfection, far from ideal. The number one hindrance or number one hindrance Two, perfection is our plans, is our plans. This season can help remind us that it's many plans that are in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. And one of the things that keeps us from the perfection that God has for our lives and what this story helps us see is that you can make plans. Joseph had it planned out. And he even had a plan of how to get out of the scenario. And that's what we do. 
If it doesn't go according to our plans, what do we do? Abandon. Get out. Put away. God, I want your plan, or I want your purpose, but I want my plan. I want your purpose my way. I want you to reveal your purpose in me. But I want it in circumstances that I have control over. But the darkness doesn't comprehend the light. The darkness can't control. See, God has blessing that he wants to put on your life and bring through your life. But you might not like the plans that come with it. You might not like the assembly that comes with it. You might not like the scenario that you end up in. But know this, that even though it might not be your plan, it's his purpose. It's his purpose. There's perfection inside of Mary. There is a child of God inside, literally the son of God. She's impregnated by the Holy Spirit. And we know that's a real scenario. We know we can look back and say, but in the moment, what do you think Joseph is thinking? In the moment, what do you think the people are thinking? In the moment, what do you think Mary is thinking? Sure, she had an angel come to her and tell her, but I need you to convince everybody else. I'm not the one that needs convincing. I need you to tell them that this isn't what happened. I need you to tell them that this was by the Holy Spirit. I need you to reveal to everybody around me what happens when God brings his purpose outside of your plans. Yeah, this is what happens. The birth of Jesus is a picture that it doesn't have to be according to to plan. God's purpose does not have to be according to plan. In fact, in fact, God, when he's bringing you blessing, just as much as he wants to bless you, he wants to destroy your plans as well. He really does. He wants to come and disrupt it. He wants to come and mess it all up. He wants to mess up how you thought it could happen. He wants to mess up who you thought he could use. He wants to mess up how you thought it might come to pass. He wants to disrupt all of it. Yeah. The second one I want you to see is in Matthew chapter two. By this time, Jesus is born. And in Matthew chapter two, it tells us that there were three wise men from the east Not the southeast, the east. They weren't from Georgia. They weren't from Florida. They were from the east. They saw the star. They came, took them years to travel as far as they had to as far as they had to travel. But many historians believe they came from the Orient. Asian. Yeah, that's a long way to travel to see a baby. They traveled and they came with wealth. They came with riches. They came with honor. They came with glory. But first they went to the king, went to King Herod and let King Herod know. Now the last thing you want to hear as a king is that another king has been born. You don't want to hear that. And if you do hear that, 
and you're as wigged out and confrontational as King Herod was, because King Herod was a maniac. King Herod killed his own family. So you better believe he's going to do whatever it takes to get rid of a baby king, because baby kings turn into adult kings. And so in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 16, it says this, Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years ago, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. You thought Planned Parenthood was bad. King Herod was Planned Parenthood before there was Planned Parenthood. He's on a mission. This is the story of Jesus. Christmas. Because plans will keep you from the perfect will of God. And number two, pressure will keep you from the perfect will of God. Now we've got pressure. Now we've got adversity. This is real life. All the male children. Two years old and under. All the babies that would never grow up. Never be allowed to grow up and and be enjoyed. I mean, think about the sorrow. Think about the grief. That the government is coming in and taking your child. Not putting them, not, not putting, enslaving them, putting them to work, uh, not, not t- killing them, removing them from the planet because of the birth of Jesus. Murder, mass murder of the worst kind. Children that can't even defend themselves. Yeah, this is the birth of Jesus. Jesus' life, before he was able to save lives, it actually cost lives. The pressure. Well, I think we all could agree that we've experienced pressure. God reveals a promise. God reveals blessing. God reveals how he wants to use you, what he wants to do. But then, behind the promise comes the pressure. And is the pressure going to keep you from walking out the perfect will of God? At this point, Joseph is visited, I believe, three times by an angel of having to pick up and move. He had to pick up and move and leave Bethlehem to keep Jesus safe. He had to pick up and move to go back once they heard that King Herod was dead. And then he, uh, 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 the King Herod's, uh, you know, the next one in line shows up and he becomes fearful and he moves again. You thought your kids were bad. Now Jesus is the perfect child, but he's got, he's disrupting all kinds of stuff in this family right now. 
the, the first early years of Jesus's life and for Joseph and Mary and the other brothers and sisters, because we know that he had brothers, this is, this is upheaval. This is not normal. This is not according to plan. And now the pressure of trying to keep this child safe and what it's causing everybody else around him, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Yeah. Because we all want perfection, but we think that it's going to come in perfect environments, perfect circumstances, perfect scenarios. No, the blessing and the will of God is perfect, but the external circumstances might not be according to what you thought it was going to be. So we have plans, we have pressure. The third one I want to show you is in Matthew chapter 3. By this time, Jesus has grown up. He's ready to enter the ministry, the ministry of uh, revealing the kingdom, advancing the kingdom, bringing the kingdom to the earth. And before he does that, he has to fulfill the plan of God and the will of God. In Matthew chapter three, let's start in verse 13. It says, then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And here it is. And John tried to prevent him. You don't wanna try to prevent Jesus because Jesus is on a mission. Jesus sees the big picture. It may not make sense in the moment. It may not make sense at the time. But Jesus, the last thing you want to do is prevent Jesus from moving. Prevent Jesus from working. But this shows us that sometimes it'll be so contrary. It'll be so challenging. It'll be so against what you thought it was going to be that you'll actually work to prevent the will of God rather than allow the will of God. Rather than submit to the will of God. He says, and John tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And are you coming to me? But look what Jesus says. Jesus answered and said to him, permit it to be so now. And I believe that's what God is saying to us today. Permit it to be so now. For thus it is fitting to fulfill all righteousness. It might not make sense. It might not sound right. It may not be according to your plan, according to your idea, according to your agenda. But I have a bigger plan, a greater plan. The promise, the perfection is hidden inside of what I am trying to do. Permit it to be so now. Then he allowed him. Notice Jesus wasn't going to force his will on John the Baptist. He wasn't gonna force John the Baptist to do anything, but he needed John the Baptist to get his perspective and say, this doesn't make sense. What do we call that? Well, we call that number three, our preference. Our preference. To allow the will of God, the perfect 
plan, the perfect purpose, the perfect idea, the perfect will that God has for your life. To allow it, you're gonna have to confront your plans, you're gonna have to address the pressure, and then you're gonna have to sacrifice your preferences. Your preference. John the Baptist said, no, this, this isn't how this is supposed to work. This, I, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. I should be being baptized by you. But Jesus said, no, 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 permit it, allow it. That means you've got to lay down what you think. You've got to lay down what you want. You've got to lay down how you feel. Our preferences can get in the way of God's perfection. Our preferences can prevent God's perfection. No, our preferences should not be exalted above God's purpose. And when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. water, And behold, the heavens were open. He saw the spirit of God descending upon him like a dove. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. God's got a bigger picture. The story of Christmas, no, might not be the ideal kids Christmas book, Christmas song, Christmas story that that we typically hear and sing about and rejoice about. There was infidelity that was thought about. There was murdering taking place. And then there were evangelists that didn't wanna follow through with what Jesus had said or commanded. There were all kinds of instances, all kinds of disruptions, all kinds of upheavals, all kinds of circumstances that were contrary to allowing this perfect thing to take place. And I believe uh, in, in my life and the same for your life, I believe that it can speak to the moments where God is trying to use us and where God is trying to move in our lives. Worship team, if you come. Yeah, this is a season of peace and this is a season of joy. This is a season of hallelujah. This is a season of glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, goodwill toward men. This is a season of, 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 of every nation, every creature, every person, no matter the age, no matter the demographic, no matter the country, no matter the background, no matter the history, that we can come together and we can rejoice the birth of our King. But I believe it's also an opportunity to reflect. Reflect and say, God, I will allow you to work in my life. I will allow you Come on, you have to allow him. He's not gonna force his way in. He's not gonna force his plan on your life. He's not gonna force you to respond. He's not gonna force you to obey. He's not gonna force you to accept. He's not gonna force you to allow. You will have to take the step, take the measure to say, God, I allow you to move in my life, not according to my plan, not according to my my, my, my preferences, not according to my ideas, not according to my agendas. And even when all hell breaks loose, even when it seems like I'm taking a thousand steps backwards in obedience, I'm taking every step forward for your plan to unveil and to unfold. It's not how I pictured it. 
not how I thought it would turn out. That's where you might be today. It's not how I thought it would work out. It's not, I didn't think I'd have to go through that. I watched other people go through that, but I didn't think I'd have to go through that. It's not how I planned it. Yeah. Everybody in this room, you've either got a moment where it happened, you're going through it now, or you got a season where it might be coming. You're going to have to come to the conclusion, not my will, but your will. Not my idea, your idea. Not my plan, but your plan. Not my preference, but your preference. Because his purpose is greater than your preference. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to take a moment to reflect on where you're at right now, what your external circumstances may look like. You may not have had that child yet and you've been trying for years. You may not have received that bonus yet, but you've been working faithfully and working hard. You may not have seen the breakthrough. You may not be seeing the healing, but I can tell you right now, God's purpose, God's promise, it's coming. It's coming. But now, for the real confrontation, are your plans getting in the way? Is your preference getting in the way? Are you yielding and bowing to the pressure rather than standing against the pressure. Yeah. Any of these three things can be a hindrance to seeing the perfect will of God performed in our life. But Father, we come to you right now as a church, as a people, and we yield our hearts to you. We yield our plans to you. We yield our lives to you. Come on, just tell them right now. In your own words, you've listened to me talk enough. Just tell them right there where you're at. Father, I yield to you. I allow you to move. I allow you may not be what I thought it would look like. May not be how I would have planned it out. How I would have put it together. How I would have pictured it. Just gonna get, continue to give you a moment. You and the Father. Man, he's birthing something great in you. He's birthing greatness in you. The promise is joyous. The promise is something to rejoice about. The promise is something to celebrate. I'm gonna give you a moment to align your heart, align your agenda with his.
Not my will, Father. Not my plans, Father. Yours. Your way. Your way. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.